All right, well, so we're doing a study on making a stand, making a stand with Jesus Christ. Uh, what we're going to find out in this study, we've learned three things so far. We've learned that why Jesus has you stand. And he has you stand to either prove something or to do something. The second thing we learned is what you're standing for. We, we found out we're standing for faith, liberty, biblical traditions, and to simply just to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's why we make a stand. Now, we're, we, we, we found out last week, which we stopped there, and I apologize. That was a hard, that was a hard lesson, but it was standing brings persecution. It was, you, you think about that, and it's like, well, that's, that's a hard study to just know, hey, you, you, gonna, you love the Lord? Yeah, I love the Lord. Now, when we get ready, you're going to get persecuted. And that's a hard study. But I thought it was funny how probably the hardest part of this study was last Wednesday, and that's when we had the biggest crowd. We had a lot of visitors in. People, we had a guy in from Kentucky, of all places, visiting just out on a whim. So uh, the Lord had, makes divine appointments. I think he's getting his, I think it speaks to the truth that the Lord's getting his people ready for persecution. I think it's coming. I believe the Lord's laid this uh, study on my heart to kind of get us prepared for it. And uh, we're going to find out starting tonight that this persecution, that there's benefits to it. There's true, good benefits to persecution. Starting in James chapter 1, verse 3. James chapter 1, verse 3. What, is, what, are, what am I talking about? Well, let's look at verse 3. Knowing this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So one of the benefits of persecution, guys, honestly, is patience. It, bring, it helps you to learn patience. Now, I, I've, I've had a dollar for every time a Christian told me, Oh, I don't want to pray for patience because I don't want the Lord to do this, that, and another to me. The truth is, is we all need patience. The hardest thing about the Lord is, is that we look at a thousand years like a thousand years, and the Lord looks at a thousand years as one day. Now, break that down. That makes, you know, we, we're like, oh, I've been praying for all week long, and the Lord hadn't answered my prayer. Well, he looks like a, a, a day. That's a, that's a couple of seconds in the eyes of the Lord. It's hard for us to comprehend that. So we need to learn patience. And if you were up there at, at the service, the funeral service uh, Saturday, I brought this verse out. And I want to turn to it again, but in 1 Corinthians. First, I'll show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because I know a lot of y'all, y'all didn't have your Bibles with you when I was preaching that funeral. But let me show it to you in, uh, today, tonight. Show you what I was talking about. and kind of, Maybe you can put your eyes on it and you can see what I was trying to explain Without, without your Bible opened up. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But the benef- one of the benefits of persecution is it brings patience. That's a good thing. Amen, that's a good thing. Here we go. Chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, verse 9. But as it is written, I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Okay. I'm putting the focus at the end of that verse. All those things are for those that love him. Now, Paul says, verse 9, as it is written. So he's quoting what? He's quoting Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. So notice it says, it, for those that love him. Now turn to Isaiah 64. Now let's put our eyes on this. And you'll see a, a, a great truth in the Bible. Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, 4. So this is the verse that Paul was quoting back in Corinthians. 
Let's read it together. There's a great truth that when you study your Bible, Scripture to Scripture, when you study it out, you'll see a great truth here. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. So whenever Paul is quoting that verse in the New Testament, he puts in there love. Now, Paul's not a Bible corrector. That's guidance of the Holy Spirit. And what that does, that shows you when you study your Bible and you compare Scripture to Scripture that if you love the Lord, you'll wait on the Lord. And if you wait on the Lord, you're showing that you love the Lord. How many times have you heard uh, preachers, pastors, any kind of person that's around young people say, hey, if you really love each other, you'll wait. You'll wait. If he loves you, he'll wait. You'll wait. And we all know what I'm saying. Well, we all know what I'm talking about. It's that if you wait, you're showing that you love. If you really love him, you can wait. You can wait. Look at, look at Psalms 24. I mean, Psalms 27, pardon me. Go back to the left. But you're seeing how waiting on the Lord is loving the Lord. So if you're, if you're getting persecuted for making a stand for Jesus Christ, it's going to teach you patience. How's it going to teach you patience? Because you've you got to sit there and take it. Right? We're not allowed to fight back. I mean, we're allowed to defend our family. I'm not, I'm not telling you the Bible don't say we're not. We're allowed to defend our family. We're allowed to defend our country. We're allowed to defend our loved ones from an attack. But guys, this kind of persecution, uh, you've got to take it. If the guy is screaming and hollering at you and cussing you because he didn't like what you said about Jesus Christ, you can't wait till he leaves and go out there and slash his tires or hit him in the back of the head or anything like that. We all think that way, right? We all think, well, I'll get him back and everything. The Lord said, no, you're not getting nobody back. Love your enemies. If somebody smites you, smites you on the right cheek, turn the left. You're supposed to turn the other cheek, right? So you're waiting on the Lord. It teaches you patience. Look at Psalms 27, verse 14. Psalms 27, verse 14. So one of the benefits of persecution is it teaches you and develops patience. And that's a good thing. Verse 14. Psalms 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. When you're waiting on the Lord, you're showing courage. Because you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. Whenever, it takes more courage not to fight back. It takes, it takes you to be a better man or a woman not to strike back. Guys, it's the easiest thing to do the wrong thing. It's the easiest thing to let your flesh go and strike back or yell back or cuss back or fight back and, and do these things that the Lord don't want us to do. It's, it takes a lot more courage and strength just to say, I'm going to restrain myself. Because it goes against our very nature, right? And this teaches you patience. This persecution is going to teach you patience. You get used to it. Have you ever seen that commercial? They hadn't shown it in years, but that commercial where they show that, they show that referee, he's out there on the football field, and he made a bad call, and the coach is there, and the coach is just yelling in his ears, and that, that referee's just standing right there. And that guy's like, man, look at the patience of that referee. Look at look what. And then they show that same referee, and he's at home on the couch, and he's got a wife, and his wife's going, 
he learned it at home. He learned just to tune it out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she's teaching him patience that persecution goes somewhere you'd be surprised at what you can take once you've took it and took it and took it and it, that way there's things that are silly they it starts turning silly to you when you hear people what you would take it when you're a young christian and you're so in love with jesus christ and for the first time you hear somebody say well you're stupid or that's silly it hurts you it does hurt you because you're so in love with Jesus Christ, it hurts you really bad. And, and sometimes as a young Christian, the flesh rises up and the devil uses them to hurt you. And you just want to say, well, you're stupid. You know? <laughs> you're an idiot. But as you become a mature Christian, you grow in the Lord, you learn patience, you start hearing this kind of stuff, and it's comical to you. You're like, eh, I've heard all that. I, I don't, there's nothing new under the sun. You, you're saying the same stuff. In other words, it teaches patience. And you know what happens? When you, can ha when you have patience, you'll win the battle. When you're in a disagreement with somebody, when you're in an argument with somebody, when you're in a debate with somebody, the first one to lose their temple, the, the, the first one to lose their temper is the loser. If you can keep your temper and not raise your voice and start yelling and just keep your cool, and that's hard to do, amen, but if you can keep your cool and let the Spirit of the Lord work in you, You'll be amazed how you'll let somebody just blow a top and they'll embarrass themselves to no end and they'll make a fool of themselves. I've seen it happen to me. And, I, and the only way I can tell you it happened is because the Lord used me because I don't have that kind of patience. I have a short temper. I'm half Irish, half German, so I'm ready to blow up and kill somebody half the time. So whenever I can keep my cool, I give all the glory to Jesus Christ. And when I'm in a religious talk, I try to keep my cool and keep my cool because you know they're not saying what's right. And sometimes they're, they're so educated beyond their intelligence sometimes. And that's why uh, me and Brother Gary were talking about this before church. Brother Gary said, look at this, look at this. And I said, Brother, this is why I'm not on Facebook right here. These got two people running their mouths about something they don't know nothing about, but they talk like they're giving, they're educating you, you know. It's like, we're going to tell you what it really means. You don't, know, you don't even know how to tie your shoes. No, go hit the road, you know. And usually it's like some 19-year-old kid, you know. I'm going to show you what it really means, you know. Once you get a job first, then you can start educating me. It's hard to learn patience when you're blowing off the handle. If you can learn to be persecuted, when you're persecuted, if you can learn patience, this helps develop patience. You're waiting on the Lord. If you're waiting on the Lord, you love the Lord. It's the best thing you can do. And the Lord will give you courage. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. The more courage you can show, that's Psalms 27, 14. The more courage you can show, the more strengthening the Lord will give your heart. Look at Exodus chapter 1. Let's move on to the next one. Exodus chapter 1. It's a benefit to be persecuted, and it develops patience. We all could use patience. Uh, Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Now, verse 12. Exodus chapter 1, verse 12. So the, the context of this is, of course, uh, Israel's been down in Egypt about 400 years. They start crying out to God. The Egyptians, they've got them in slavery. The Hamites have them in slavery. And so they get tired of Israel... Because the way Israel's, uh, look at verse 9. And this is Pharaoh talking. The king, Pharaoh. Verse 9, Exodus chapter 1, verse 9. He said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. 
Come on, let us deal wisely with them. You ever hear somebody say that? Come on, let's get out of here. Come on, let's... That's Bible talk. Come on, let's, let's deal wisely with them. Lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. He said, man, these guys, are get, they're getting so many of them, they could turn on us at any moment, and if they get with our enemies, they could kill us. Verse 11, Therefore they did set over them taskmasters, that's the Egyptians over Israel, to afflict them with their burdens. So they're getting persecuted. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithbaum and Ramses. Okay, so they're, they're doing all the slave labor for them. What happens? They're being persecuted. Look at verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The more they afflicted them, the more they grew. The more they, they'd hit them, bam, and then they'd grow more. They'd just start multiplying. Multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. The more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. The, one of the benefits of persecution is it produces growth in you. This is so true, brother and sister. When you get out there trying to witness to people, you start taking a stand for Jesus Christ. You have somebody, uh, be it a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or anybody else of any other cult knock on your door, and they, they come to you, they, that's a persecution. Because that's the devil being, the devil's using them to try to get you to fall into their trap that they fell into. Which is to deny God, deny Jesus Christ, go off into some weird old thing. That, that's a persecution. And when you're getting persecuted that way, what you're going to find out is they're going, they're going to show you something out of your Bible that you've never seen. And it's going to stir you up. And you're going to be like, hey, this, uh, this, this isn't making sense. Uh, and you won't have an answer. And you're going to be embarrassed by it. And you might be embarrassed around some friends. That's the worst time. Well, the, the Bible says this, that, and another. And you're like, uh, mm, mm, I never read that before. Uh, mm. And you're kind of just sitting there. And then they just hammer you. And then you're like, oh, no. <laughs> what do I say now? You can't say nothing. What happens? Well, you feel persecuted. What do you do? You go home and study it. Amen? That's when you go home, you study it, and you find out what does the Bible mean right there. What does that really mean? And then the next time one comes to the door, guess what? You got it loaded up in your ammunition, and they, they pull that trick on you, and bam, you got them. You'll grow in Jesus Christ. You'll grow in your Bible being persecuted. I've learned more Bible by talking to Jehovah's Witness and Mormons than I did on my own Bible study. Why? Because they give me questions that I never... I, they, look, they look at the Bible like I never looked at the Bible. In my entire life, I've never looked at the Bible ways they looked at the Bible. But sometimes, the Lord's really good. If you'll get in a conversation with somebody, the Lord through the Holy Spirit will give you answers that they can't... Questions that they can't answer. And then you can go back and study it. I'll give you an example. I was talking to a Mennonite. Now, Mennonites believe in Cal, they're Calvinists. Now, what I mean by that is they believe that everything's predetermined by God. Everybody's already predetermined to go to heaven or you're predetermined to go to hell. You have no choice in the matter. That's, that's hyper-Calvinism. They believe that once you're born, God's already predetermined. That person that's born, that child is born, I've, I've created them to go to hell. And that person that's born there, they're created to go to heaven. And they have no choice in the matter. That's what they believe. They taught, I did a long study on that here. 
Now, I've told this story before, but I want to tell it again because it really lines up with this. So this brother, I'm talking to him, and he's, he's, he knows his Bible. He know, well, he knows the Bible that he wants to know about this subject. And he sets me up. I'm over at his house. And all his family's there. We go out on his front porch. And I'm sitting on the front porch. It's nighttime. And you look in his family. He's got this beautiful family. Had about six, seven kids. A good missionary family. Six, seven kids, whatever. And he's hit me on this. You know, about pre I said, and, and the Holy Spirit's witnessing to me. That ain't right. That ain't right. Now, the Holy Spirit don't say ain't, but that's what, how I'm here. <laughs> you know, that ain't right. There ain't right. There, but I didn't know the verses. I didn't know, I, and I was just kind of looking at this, and I'm like, what? That, that don't make any sense. No, yeah, yeah you, you, God's chosen them. God's chosen them to go to hell. And God's chosen them to go to heaven. And man, I was just stumbling back. Guys, I was lost for words. I didn't know what to say, what verses. This is one of the things that led me to go down to Bible college after this experience. But on a whim, I had, like I said, I had no idea how to answer him scripturally. But the Lord through the Holy Spirit said, not audibly, but it came to me to ask this question, was I was in that bay window, and he's hitting me with all these verses. I look over, and there's this beautiful family. So I said, so you're saying that God's chosen some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell? And he's like, yeah. And I said, so we know the Bible says that few are, many are called, but few are chosen. And he said, right? I said, which one? I said, which one of your kids do you reckon God's going to send to hell? And the, his face got so red. Well, not, yeah, not, not. But see, in his arrogance and self-righteousness, all my kids are going to heaven. And my wife, all of my loved ones are going to heaven. It's those over here, they're all going to hell. God's chosen all mine, but he's chosen those to go to hell. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. He had no answer for that. He didn't want to talk to me anymore about it. Who did that question come from? It didn't come from Kigan. That question came from the Holy Spirit. You know what I've known now that I'm years and years, about 25 years removed from that question? You know what I found out when you read your Bible? You know how Jesus Christ shut them up? He'd ask them questions. <laughs> He'd question them. Oh, yeah, well, then, uh, well, they asked him about John the Baptist. They asked him, they said, well, what's your, wh who, who gave you authority to do this? He goes, let me ask you this. <laughs> what authority does John have? Who did he get his authority from? Well, they, they said in themselves, the Bible says they heard him ask that question. They said, oh, if we say John the Baptist was just a man, then they'll stone us because these people think he's a prophet. But if we say it came from heaven, from God, then Jesus is going to say, why didn't you listen to him? So they say, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, I'm not going to tell you where I get my authority. <laughs> he did that over and over again. So I found out in my persecution from other Christians, from other cults, from atheists, that they'll persecute me, but it helps me to grow in Jesus Christ. It helps me to go home, study it, and find out that the Bible says that the Lord is not willing any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If I wish I'd have known that verse, I'd have said, let me turn to Peter and let me show you. Right there it says. He doesn't want any. What are you talking about? You're crazy. But I didn't have the authority. It made me grow. So now when I run to another Calvinist, it's comical to me. At that time, I was dumbfounded. Same with Jehovah's Witness, same with the Mormons. I've, they, I've had them over my house turn to Revelation. 
I've had them over my house, and man, they were hammering me, hammering me. I had two of them tag team me because they heard that I upset Sister So-and-so. I upset Sister So-and-so, and they wanted to come over and find out why I had upset Sister So-and-so. Turn to Revelation chapter 3. So I had upset some sister so-and-so because she come over and I, I, and I give her scripture and she couldn't handle it. So she went back and said, this, this Baptist preacher was mean to me. I don't know what she said. Well, the, the pastor, preacher, fool of a Jehovah's Witness came over there and he brought another guy with him and they're like, well, I can prove to you out of your Bible that Jesus isn't God. I said, oh, really? Out of my Bible? Out of a King James Bible? They're like, yeah. I said, come on in. So I let them in the house. So they come on in the house. And we went round and round. And that's a long story, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. But at the end, this is the verse he gave me. I mean, he was going through every verse I had to answer for. Every verse I had to answer for. Every verse. And he gets to this one. I didn't have an answer. He reads this verse to me, and this is what he did to me. Verse 14. Until the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. See, Jesus Christ is created. He, he was created in the beginning. And he looks at me over the table and he waits for my response and I go, and this is what he did. All right, let's go. Appreciate you letting us in the house. That was it. He, he, he left me like that. He literally left me with me looking at my Bible like, what's that say? I've never seen this. You know, I didn't have an answer. He, he, I know what he thought. He's like, ah, got him. Slam this Bible. I've only answered 18 of the first one. I got all the other 18 knocked out. But the one I couldn't get of him, he slammed his Bible down, got up off the table, told us, let's go, and then they leave. So what do you think I do? I get mad about it. Because I know that's not what that says, but I've never seen it. Because I've never read it that way, amen? They read things because they haven't... They, they're, they want to read it like they want to read it. So what do they read? They read at the end of verse 14, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. See, Jesus Christ is the beginning of the creation of God. Jesus Christ was created in the beginning, and he's created by God. That's how they read that. Here's the problem. Now, I'm not, I'm not an English major. I'm, I'm not even an English minor. But this is the problem. Jesus is not the object. He's the subject. He's the first, the beginning, at everything God does. That's what that verse says. He's not the first thing God created. Jesus is the one that created everything. Now, how do you know that that's true, what that's saying? Number one, the English plays it out that way. And number two, that's what the rest of the Bible says. I just didn't get it. I didn't have time to meditate on it. Do you see that? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying there? Colossians tells us that Jesus Christ created all things. Colossians 1.16. And all things were created by Him. He's the beginning of the creation of God because He was in the beginning creating everything. He's not the beginning. God didn't create Him in the beginning. He, everything goes through Him. He's not the object. He's the subject. For you English majors, I'm just an English minor. So if you want to read it, that God is created, that's how Jesus was created, that's how you'll read verse 14. If you have the rest of your Bible that tells you that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, God was, the Word was God, and you have the rest of your Bible that tells you that Jesus Christ created all things, it, that verse makes sense. 
That's why when I read that, I never read it that way. I didn't understand how he was reading it. You got to get as dumb as they are. But you see what I'm saying? What I'm trying to tell you is, when you, I'm encouraging you to get into these conversations. I'm encouraging you to get into these things. Guys, I'm telling you, I've been studying this thing for close to 30 years. What you're going to find out is they're wrong and you're right. This thing is right. And you're going to study it out and you're going to say, well, I, I, I believe that you don't have to be saved. I believe you can be saved and not baptized. Well, why do you believe that? Because you're going to have somebody ask you that. I think you have to be baptized. Well, what verses are you going to show them? What scripture? Well, you need to study it. I can't preach on it every Sunday. I can't teach on it every Wednesday in Sunday school. I can't. The point is, is some of this is going to lie in your hands. And that's okay. That's, it's, guys, there's nothing more beautiful than learning the Word of God by yourself. Early in the morning, getting down, or maybe whenever you want to do your re this reading and letting the Lord just speak to your heart, maybe find some subject you're inter interested in, study it out. Say, I wanna, I'm interested where the Bible talks about Jesus being, cre being a creator. And just read that and study it, and you'll be amazed what you'll find. The truth is, is that persecution is a beautiful thing because it brings growth in your life. Turn to Acts chapter 5. We're going to move on to the last one. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. I didn't mean to go down a long, long rabbit trail, but I'm trying to show you where this stuff does work. It, it's worked in my life. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for the... Listen, I'm thankful for the Jehovah's Witnesses. trying to see if I can find it. I'm thankful for the Jehovah's Witness. Hmm. Where is that at? Brother Gary asked me a Bible question the other day, and I'm like, Brother, I only taught on that like a month ago. I've already forgot that. I don't even know what that means. We were talking about this. Uh, but turn to Acts chapter 5. There's a verse... And I can't find it now, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, because that's how I have a slow mind. Strong back, but a weak mind. But, um, yeah, I found it. Y'all stay in Acts chapter 5, but I'm going to read this to you. And I said right there, I said, you know, I'm thankful for the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and the cults. And say, why, why are you thankful for them? Because in... 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen, 19, Paul says, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. What happens when you have the heretics come by and heresies and all that come by and people give you heresies in the church and we've had heresies come in the church. People, what happens is it, it helps you to study and find out what the truth is, the doctrinal truth. Because if not, you'd just be kind of like lazy and not doing it, not care, not care one bit. And Paul says, there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be, may, may, may be made manifest among you. You find out what's the truth and not the truth. Find out who's approved and not approved by the teachings they have. And it helps you to grow. It helps you to grow in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here tonight, right? It's to grow. Amen. I think that's why y'all would take the time to come out here on Wednesday night and not be at home watching TV or whatever y'all would be doing because y'all want to grow in Jesus Christ. Persecution is going to have you grow. And the only way you can get persecution, guys, is making a stand for Jesus Christ. Either in, in witnessing 
uh, making a stand when you hear somebody say something that's not true about the Bible or not true about God or whatever it might be. Just make a stand and say, no, it's not true. And uh, make, a, make a stand. Now, Acts chapter 5, verse 40, here's the last thing that a persecution does for you, the last benefit. Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, verse 40. Now, they're arguing about the disciples. They had them. They had Peter. They were going to beat them. And to him they agreed, verse 40, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them. That's persecution. I don't think anybody in here has been, has anybody in here been beaten or beat up for Jesus Christ? I don't know if anybody has. They had been beaten. They beat them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. I think that's coming in a country, this country right here, not too, not too long from now. We're going to be told, don't preach Jesus Christ. But here's the point, verse 41. Well, they went home and they cried and wondered why God treated them that way. Why would God allow them to get beaten? Why did God get us thrown in jail? Why did God do... No, that's not what they did. Look at verse 41. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Hey, Amen. They're like, praise the Lord. We got beat for Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's just right there in the Bible. Praise the Lord. We just got beat up. Oh, glory to God. I'm so associated with Christ that they're beating me for it. Guys, there's nothing like the feeling that when somebody's making fun of you for being a Christian. Because deep down you can say, yeah, I am a Christian. I've been accused, and this is the truth, I've been accused of being a devil worshiper. I've been accused of some of the most vile things you can imagine on this earth. But when somebody accuses me of being a Christian, usually they're doing it like, you're just a holy roller, you're just a Bible thumper. they they got all kinds of names for us. I'm like, yeah. It kind of makes you feel good. Because there's a lot of Christians out there that uh, if you was to put them on trial, take them to the courthouse and put them on trial, they would be acquitted for being a Christian. They'd call up a bunch of jurors and they'd get, they'd get some witnesses. And they'd, well, I've never seen them go to church. I've never seen them hold a Bible. I've worked with this guy for 20 years. He's never mentioned church. He's never mentioned Jesus. He's never talked about the Lord. He's never, they got some, but I'm a Christian. Could you be put on trial and convicted for it, though? Your neighbors would get you guys, right? They would get you. I saw them leaving out Wednesday nights right about 6 o'clock. I know where they were going. And they had Bibles in their hands. They weren't going to the bar. I know where they were going. Convicted, guilty, Christians. Peter and them come out saying, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. It brings joy. It does bring joy. Now, you might not believe me. You might not have experienced it, but when you experience it, you'll experience that real joy. Because that's a joy that only the Holy Spirit can give you. No, no drug. And I've had drugs, alcohol, there's nothing I've ever had can bring me that joy that comes from the Holy Spirit when you've done what He wants you to do. And even if it goes, falls apart, when it falls apart, there's a joy that the Lord gives you in that persecution. Look at Luke, Luke chapter 6. Christ talked about this. Luke chapter 6. And we'll close here, guys. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Let's see what Jesus Christ had to say. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 22. What did Christ have to say about this? Well, he had a lot to say about it. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. <laughs> this Bible is the biggest uh, oxymoron. If you want your life, lose it. You want to be happy? Men will hate you. <laughs> it's, just, it's comical. And that's, I'm not being irreverent. I'm not being uh, disrespectful to the Word of God or to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But guys, you've got to have a sense of humor about this. He's saying, blessed are ye when men shall hate you. There's a sorry, no good movie called Life of Brian. And it's an atheist, it's an atheist movie. It's a sorry movie, but it, it's a takeoff on the life of Christ. And one, at the first of that movie, they're all at the, this Sermon of the Mount like this. And Jesus is up on the hill far away, okay? And all the crowd's down there. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers. And they're like way off. They're like, you know, maybe 100 yards. And they're like, what did he say? And one of them turns and says, I think he said, blessed are the cheesemakers. And they said, cheesemakers? What's so, what's so special about cheesemakers? And the other one says, I think he means all dairy products. Everybody makes that. That's, that's, that's Monty Python kind of humor. But you read, you're standing here, you wonder why he only had 12 disciples? A man walks in the door and goes, hey guys, uh, blessed are ye when men shall hate you. What? I want the world to love me. I want people to like me. I want to read the book about how I can win people and influence uh, friends and win people. I want to be successful. I want that book that says 10 things that make me successful at life. I want to be successful at life. And Jesus says, well, you want to be blessed? Men shall hate you. And when they shall separate you from their company. I want to have friends. I want to have lots of friends. I want to hang out with the world. I want to go party and I want to have a good time. And when they shall separate you from their company. And shall reproach you. And cast out your name as evil. I don't want people to talk bad about me. I want to have a good name. I, for the son of man's sake. Oh. 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 There's people that have had that happen to them, but they had it coming, right? Some of them are in jail and have a bad name for what they've done out in the world, and they have it coming. They deserve to be reproached for some of the sin they've done. But Jesus Christ, he's talking about for his name. You stick it up for Jesus, you're making a stand for Jesus Christ, you should expect this stuff to happen. But he says you'll be blessed. You reading it with me? You know what else he says? Verse 23. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. <laughs> for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Hey, they're going to hate you. They're going to separate you from, your, from their company. They're going to call you evil. He said, man, when that happens, just rejoice and start leaping for joy. Did we not just read that in Acts 5? They beat them. They said, don't talk about Jesus Christ. Don't mention that name. They beat them. They beat them. They let them out. What did those disciples do? Woo! Woo! Praise the Lord. We got beat for Jesus. Yeah. 
Canaan for Jesus. You know, can you imagine the church doing that? We're just coming here and saying, hey, we're going to take some persecution today. Just have a can just let it beat you. Pow, pow, pow. You know, before you leave the church, just beat you in the back. Pow, pow. And you walk out the church. Praise the Lord, I got beat for Jesus. That's how the cults get started. The point is, is that this goes against everything in your flesh, brothers and sisters. Everything in you. This goes against you. Because you're going to have this happen to you. And Lord willing, it won't be a beating. But you're going to get reproached. You're going to get hated on. You're going to get called evil. But Jesus says, just rejoice. Leap for joy. Why? For behold, your reward is great in heaven. We're not doing this for this world right here. We're doing it for the world to come. And I've seen some people persecute, Christians be persecuted, and I'm thinking, man, what kind of reward are they going to get? Richard Rembrandt, he was a, a preacher over in uh, Russia, over in the Ukraine. He got arrested by the communists. They threw him down in the deepest, darkest parts of the, the, the prison. Tortured for Christ. They tortured him, beat him. I mean, it's unimaginable. Brother Eubanks mentioned him in one of his sermons. But uh, this is what he had to say. And I want to read this to you. And I, I mentioned this the other day, but I got the full quote now. Richard Rembrandt said, there are, there are two kinds of Christians... Two kinds of Christians. Those who sincerely believe in God and those who just as sincerely believe that they believe. Now think on that for a little bit. He said there's those that really believe and those that really believe that they believe. You can't tell them apart, by, but you can tell them apart by their actions in decisive moments. And whenever, what he's saying is, there's people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm a Christian, or they think they're a Christian, they think they believe, and then the persecution comes. They, their family starts persecuting them. It becomes uncomfortable to be a Christian. And you gotta, then you're going to find out, do they really believe, or do they just think they believe? Do they believe they believe, or do they really believe? What persecution does, brothers and sisters, it helps you to understand you, where your faith's at. Because whenever you're standing with somebody and they're attacking you, you're like, it, it's the, I'm telling you, it's the easiest thing to say. You know, you're right. Let's not argue anymore. Yeah, you know, okay. And sometimes even say, yeah, you're probably right. I was wrong. And let's just, can't we all just get along? It's the hardest thing, brothers and sisters, to say, nope, I'm sticking with this book. Well, I'm not going to have anything else to do with you. I'm, I'm done with our friendship. Well, I'm sorry you're saying that, but I'm going to stick with the Bible and what Jesus Christ said. It's happening in, it's happening in my life. Over one issue right now. Just one sin of all the sins in the world that a man could commit. What's the one sin that they're, they're, they're not letting us get away with it? They're going to say, you're not going to say anything about that one sin. I don't have to name it. Y'all know which one it is. It's not murder, it's not adultery, it's not drinking, it's not lying, cheating, jealousy, and that's all that. I've seen all those in the church. It's one sin, and if you go against that one sin, people are literally telling me, I'm not going to be your friend. I can't be friends with you. You're a hate monger. <laughs> if you're going to call me evil, I think this is good. I'd rather stick with this book. And the Lord says, if you'll stick with me, your reward up in heaven. 
Notice, remember, this is eternity. Your reward up in heaven will be great. See it? Your reward is great in heaven. Not just, you know, I'll give you a little bit. I'll throw you a little bit of a bone out there. You know, God says, Jesus Christ says, it's going to be great. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Guys, read your Bible and you'll find out that this book is full of nothing but people getting killed and persecuted for what they did for God. And there's some great things that happen, but there's a lot of the guys that doesn't go good for them, including Jesus Christ, amen? But verse 24, But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you, let's close here, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. You know the best way to know that you're not a very good Christian is everybody likes you. That's the best way to know it. If you, uh, you can know a man, you can tell a man by his enemies. Amen? Amen. Uh, I, I think you can tell America by their enemies. You can tell Israel by their enemies. And if you want to know what kind of person you are, look at who your enemy is. Look who says they don't like you. Look who says they don't want to have anything to do with you. And you can say, oh, okay, I think I'm on the right side. I think I'm on the right side. I think I'm on the right side. I'm on the side of Jesus. I'm going to stand with him. And it's worth it because it brings me patience, helps me to grow, and the joy that you're going to get out of it, it, you can't explain it. I can only just tell you you got to do it. And it's just it's a fun. It's fun. It's joyful. Now, I, I'm not going to be doing any leaping or anything, but it, it brings a lot of joy to, to be persecuted for Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I know some of this stuff just doesn't make any sense to me, Lord. I read it. But, Father, as I've lived it, I've seen it work in my life, Lord God, over and over again, Lord. I've seen how you've given me great joy, Lord God, in my persecution. And, Lord, I hadn't even been persecuted. I mean, it's just simple stuff, Lord. That I'm such a baby, Lord. It's the littlest thing is, makes me upset, Lord God. But please forgive me for that, Lord. Give me, give me strength to be a stronger Christian, Lord, a more mature Christian. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for my brothers and sisters all over the world, Lord God, that really are getting beat, getting killed, getting raped, persecuted in a real way, Lord God. I pray for them, Lord God. I pray you give them strength, Lord God. I pray you give them rejoicing. Lord, I pray, Father, that, uh, that uh, they would find a way to love their enemies through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And Father, I thank you for them, Lord God, that they're willing to make a stand even when it would be the easiest thing just to put their head in the sand, Lord God, and go run away and hide. Lord, I thank you for them. And Lord, I know I'm not going to get very many rewards in heaven, Lord, but I, I can't wait to get up there, and I can't wait to see you handing out these great rewards for some of these Christians that just loved you enough just to stand with you when nobody else would stand, Lord. I thank you for them. Help us to stand with you, Lord, and praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. 
and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36. It says, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him